So it's, it's inside. It's roaring. That's what it is. It's a roaring. It's a roaring audience. Um, thanks, guys, for coming. Thanks for coming back. Um, we're going to keep talking about our series, Real Church, um, and this week we're going to continue pretty much exactly where we left off. I mean, every week has been like that. But as far as content goes, so last week, if you remember, we talked about giving um, and giving financially, and so what what that meant, and really what <clears throat> what Chris. Um, what really hit me from what Chris talked about was that he wasn't so focused on the 10%, which is what we hear about a lot, but more so the content of your heart. Um, in Luke 2, or sorry, Luke 21, it says this, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put <clears throat> in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. It wasn't so much about the amount, right? Because if we look at what these wealthy people gave, they very well could have given 10% of what they had. But she gave all and willingly. So it's not about the amount. It's about how you give. If you come to church and you say, 10% sounds like a lot, but I'd gladly give seven, great. Do it. Because that's what God wants. He wants us to freely and gladly give. And if we can do that, then good job. Audience of one. Golf clap. But he wants us to freely give. She was faithful that God had provided for her even though she was poor. And she had given more than because of the content of her heart. So today, we're picking up where we left off because we're kind of going to finish off the attitude of giving. So the first half of giving is monetarily, financially, is the obvious one, right? We all know, well, you go to church, you're supposed to give. I actually have talked to many people who are like, I don't want to go to church because all the church wants is my money. That's not true. That's part of it, but that's not true. What the church wants is for your life to be changed through the glory of Christ. And through that, you are faithful in your giving and not just financially. In 2 Corinthians 8.10, it says this. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in, in this matter. Last year, you were the first on, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, then the gift is acceptable according to, the one, uh, to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Um, there's a few things in there. First of all, it says this, last year you were, not, you were the first not only to give, but also to uh, have the desire to do so. So the first thing is desire. We have to be willing to give and, and, and desirous of it. We, I want to give. That excitement, that joy in wanting to do something. And so these people gave because they wanted to do so. And he says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Right? The sentence finishes, finish it, complete it, match it by the completion of giving, but only do it according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. Don't go above. Don't try and exceed what you have. Just give out of what God has given you. 
For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. If you see someone near you giving something else, right, something greater, then don't try and match them. Don't look at what someone else is doing and go, I need to do that. Which is where it gets a little sticky because when we talk about giving, it's, it's hard to say, you know, when, when, when we compare, comparison is, is uh, what is it? Chris, help me out here. What is, what is that? Comparison is the something of... Thank you. Comparison is a thief of joy. If we, all we do is compare what someone else is doing, if we, all we do is compare what the, left, the person to our left is doing, then all we're going to do is try and attain what they have. And they might have more. And if they have more, that's great for them. But if all I do is try and attain what they have, then I'm not going to be happy with what I'm giving or what I'm doing in my life. I'm just going to be striving to be that person. I'm not that person. I'm someone else. You're someone else. The... This whole section, and, and we're going to continue this, but I need to f- fill in the blanks. This whole section is not about giving of money. It's about giving of self. God doesn't just ask you to give what he has given you financially. He also asks you to give of what he has given you physically. We all have the ability to do something. We all have the ability to get out and serve somebody. And it doesn't have to be with money. Um, we, need, we do. We need to be willing to be inconvenienced. I've said this before, but we need to be willing to be inconvenienced in what we're doing. When I was a kid, my parents ran a Mexico ministry. And um, <laughs> you guys perked up like you're like, I've never heard this before. You, you were the ones who did it. So they ran a Mexico ministry at uh, the church that we used to go to. And uh, they did it for a long time. And it was uh, something that I... I actually really enjoyed it. Was, it became a part of my life um, that I was excited about. Right? I would tell my friend. I had friends who, I did this from the time I was about nine until I was 20. About two times a year and often more because we would go down on day trips. Um, but we would go down and we would uh, build a house right, for, for someone who needed a house. Most of these people uh, lived in in shacks that they had built. Basically, let me give you the quick backstory. What had happened was El Nino came through, destroyed this community, and the government said, we're going to give you land. And so they, they did, but it was a pile of dirt in the middle of the desert on a hill. And there was nothing there. And so these people are like, well, that's your land, so figure it out. So these people had to build what they could. I, I very vividly remember a, a house that had a roof that was the movie poster uh, for Bruce Almighty. So their roof was Jim Carrey's face. Uh, so this is, this is the community. So we show up in this community. There's no roads. There's just dirt and lots of mangy dogs running around. And um, shacks and people. And, well, we came in and we said, okay, we're going to build you a house in two days. And I remember this one guy who said, you can't do it. He, he like, at this point, we had done many homes in two days. Like, this is not something we've never done before. It's something we've been doing for years at this point. And he said, you can't do it. And we were like, yeah, well, yeah, we can. And he's like, no, no, no. If you can do it, I'll, I'll start going to church with my family. I'll give my life to Christ. And we're all like, okay, well, all right. I mean, you're going to lose this bet because we can do it. And the team that I was a part of, we, we built our houses faster than anybody else because half of the people on the team were contractors, and so that's all they did. So we were pretty quick. So a day and a half in, we got the, the walls up. 
Um, the roof is now on, and we're just starting to put all the plywood down, and this guy breaks down in tears and is just overcome, right? But now he's like, I'm going to help. I want to be a part of it. We, I, I had to, because I was the youngest, I took my tool belt off and gave it to him, and I was 16 at the time. It was a good time. Anyways, I tell you all this because when we came to this community, it was nothing but shacks on a hill. And when I was 19 or 20, I think I was 20, um, I got invited to go down with a group of people. It wasn't a build trip. It was just kind of a leader trip. Um, and I got invited to go down on this leader trip to kind of explain what had been going on in the community and what the plans were going forward. So uh, it's probably 10 of us or so. Um, and we all went down and we go into the community and we go into this building and we have this meeting for an hour or so about what they want to do. And then they go, okay, we're going to go walk around the community now which was part, partly to show us what they wanted to do and where they were going to do it and stuff, but the other part of it was to just engage with the community because we've been in this community for 10 years at this point, and we know a lot of people in this community. And I'm walking with a friend of mine, and we're looking around, and he goes, wow, look at, look at how amazing it is, all the work that we've done. And I looked at him, and I was like, dude, we haven't done anything. We've, we've built some boxes in the desert. I mean, and, and let me explain, let me set the scene for you. It was a bunch of shacks on a hill. Now it's a thriving community. At that point, they were talking about paving roads. I mean, they had a supermarket. They had a gas station. They, I mean, it was a town. It was, and, and, and not only that, I mean, we were doing something that made such a great impact, not only on these people's lives, but the government started to take notice, and they built a community across the freeway from us like that. I mean, they built it quick, but it, it, it looked all the same, and they were basically small shacks. They were just concrete. And so we took to calling it Irvine because it looked the same. It looked like Irvine. So we would drive by and go, there's Irvine. But nobody wanted to live there because it was expensive to live there. And it wasn't any better than, than where they were living before, the, the land that was given to them. So anyways, we're walking through this community. And this guy, my friend says to me, look at all this stuff that we've done. I said, we didn't do anything, man. We, we built some houses. They did the work. All we did was give them a little bit of hope. We were inconvenienced for a weekend because you had to get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning on Friday to go down there. And then by 4 o'clock in the evening on Sunday, you're driving home. And then you got to get up on Monday and go to work or school. So you're very inconvenienced. You're sleeping in um, a warehouse on a cot with spiders that bite your mouth and then you, your lip swells up. That happened to me. Um, you... Uh, I mean, we slept, in, we slept in buildings that had holes, not like small holes in the roof, like boulder-sized holes in the roof. It's not a, it's, it doesn't sound fun. It is an inconvenience, but I, I can tell you this for a fact, that I would never trade those moments for anything. And the, the incredible thing about it is we gave nothing. We gave time and hope. It wasn't about the money we'd invested because we all had to raise $300. I mean, there were some people who paid for it out of pocket, but I was a kid. I had to raise that money. I had to go wash cars. I, I sold candy bars. I did whatever I could so that I could go. Because of, and there was times, and you can ask them, there was times I didn't raise the money and I didn't get to go because we couldn't pay for it. So... If I couldn't pay for it, if I couldn't get the money to pay for it, I mean, I asked my teachers, I asked my friends' parents, I asked everybody. And we were going down so frequently that they were like, look, we, I feel like we gave to you like last week. We're not doing this again. And it's like 10 bucks here and a dollar there, but 
it wasn't about what we had. What did I have? I had time. And I gave that time. I didn't have all the money in the world to change these people's lives. I had time. You have time. What Paul was saying in that verse is, is don't, don't do something out of your means. You don't have to pay for the house, right? Which the house was like 2,500 bucks. You don't have to pay for the house. Just, just, just give them time, right? I, I didn't have to pay for the house. I just gave time. Or maybe your, your gift is not so much um, out of the country. Maybe it's here. Right? Maybe your inconvenience is a Saturday morning where you go and feed homeless people at 7 o'clock in the morning. We all want to sleep in, but maybe that's what you do. You get out of bed, you put your clothes on, you go down and you feed some homeless people. That's time. It doesn't cost you anything. Service is an inconvenience, and if you want to serve, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to be inconvenienced, and that sucks. But Paul goes on, verse 13. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that, in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality, as it is written. The one who has gathered much did not have too much, and the one who has gathered little did not have too little. I'm pretty sure Chris said it last week, but there is a statistic that if you live in the United States of America, you are in the top 1% of the world. Right? You, financially, you're in the top 1%. Even if you're homeless in the United States, you're in the top 1% of the world, which is like, whoa, because we're not a huge country. Right? Russia's a massive country, and we're above them, which is mind-blowing. Canada's bigger than us. I mean, Canada? Really? But... Canada? But, can you go back to that verse, actually? Um, I want to break this down, because this is really incredible. Our desire is not that, it, that, that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, right? He doesn't want you to be inconvenienced and people to be stoked about it. But, that there might be equality. He's saying, right now, and this is to the Corinthians, right now, you guys are doing great. Because they were. At this time, they were doing really, really good. They're, financially, they're doing great. They were in a thriving economy. People around them loved that. I mean, they were doing great. Right? Character-wise, they probably weren't doing so great, obviously, because Paul's writing them this, these letters. But at this time, they were doing really good. And so he's saying, you have plenty, so give plenty. Because the goal here is equality. I mean, we've all heard the, the, you know, the, the, the kind of trope of, well, you know, I take care of you now so that when I'm old, you can take care of me, right? I've, I've wiped your butt and changed your diaper so that when I'm old, you can do the same for me. And that's pretty much what Paul is saying here. The goal is equality. Right now, you don't, you're not in need, but you can supply the need. And the hope is that when, when push comes to shove, when it comes around, that they will help, maybe not you, but someone else. When, when uh, I just read a story this week about a guy who has a food cart in, in Oregon, and uh, him and his wife were homeless. And so what they do is they have this food cart, and this food, you know, people buy from them. It's, it's like a food truck. People buy food from them, and all of the proceeds go back to help, helping the homeless. And he does it because he was homeless. So it all came around, right? Equality, service. We want like in Acts 22, I know we, or Acts 42, I know we reference this a lot, but 
It came to, we gave all we had to help those around us. And that's what it's about. I, I can give you, I, I can help you, right? I, we talk, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I had the means to help somebody and I did it. He's saying, right now, Corinthians, you have the means. Do something about it. But also, if you go back, don't go above your means. Don't go bigger because they go bigger. Just live where you are, right? Serve where you are, where you can, where you can fit in. Jesus said something very similar um, in, uh, in Matthew, if you go to that, Matthew 25. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I'm sure we heard this. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell to you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. It's hard, it's hard for us to say that we would serve. If Jesus needed something, we would do it when the people that he loves are around us and they need something and we won't do it. Again, we're talking about, we're, we're closing the loop on giving, right? We, we give of our money, which is, I think, the easy part because it's passive. I don't have to do anything to give you money, right? I, I, I can, even now, I mean, Uncommon, I'm just gonna, you know, uncommonoc.com slash giving. You can... Go online and give. You can do it in your underwear in your living room. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Type some numbers in, hit enter, go. Boom, you're done. It's passive. I don't have to get out there. I don't have to inconvenience myself. I don't have to get my hands dirty. But that's what we're called to do. If you're only giving financially, you're only doing half of it. You're only doing half of it. Jesus, Jesus gave financially when he had to. I mean, give unto, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. He paid the tax when he had to. But primarily, he was there. He was on the ground. He was helping people. He was giving back to people. And Jesus, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus didn't have anything. Jesus didn't even have a bed to sleep in. So to say, and I hear this a lot, to say, I can't do it. What? To me, it says you won't do it. You can do it. You don't need anything. You just need to find someone who needs something. You can do it. Uh, this whole section rounds out with, with kind of a, a chunk of, it's a long chunk, so I'm going to go through it quickly, but it's a chunk of, of, of trust. Um, it says this in verse 16 to 24. Thanks be to God who put into my heart, uh, into the heart of Titus, the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him two brothers who, uh, 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 with him, uh, the brother who is praised by all the church for his service to the gospel. What is more, he has chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administered uh, in order to honor the Lord himself and to show eagerness to himself. We want to avoid any criticism of the way that we administer this liberal gift. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. In addition, we are sending uh, them our brother who has often 
proved to us in many ways to, that he is zealous. And now, even more so because of his great confidence in you, as for Titus, he is my partner and co-working among, co-worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the church and honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. That was a lot. It was a lot. I know it was a lot. Basically, what he's saying there is, I'm sending Titus. I love Titus. You love Titus. right? We have to remember, and I, I had to remember while I was reading this, Paul is not there. Paul wrote this letter to them. Right? He, he's not in Corinth. He is telling the Corinthians, hey, I'm sending Titus. You love Titus. I love Titus. Titus is awesome. But Titus is bringing along two other guys. People really like these other guys. Here's their, rep- here's their reputation, right? These guys are coming to collect the offering so that we can redistribute it to people in need. What's happening here is that Paul is being transparent. He's saying, you gave, you, you did the first half. You gave financially. What are we going to do with that? I'm going to send three people to pick it up. Do three people need to go and pick it up? Is it so much money that they need three people to collect it? No. The reason they're sending three people is for accountability. These people, unless they all co-conspirate, they are not going to steal this money. He's doing this out of transparency, saying, look, we need this money to serve other people, to serve other churches. We've planted a whole bunch of other churches. You're just one of them. We're going to take your money and spread it out. But I'm sending people to collect it. And the people who are coming to collect it are coming in a group so that they can be accountable. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your gift. We want to show you, hey, like he says, um, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. We want you to trust us, which is huge, especially in service. If I'm going to serve you, I want you to trust me. Right? If I bring somebody food, I want them to trust that I didn't poison it. Trust me. Trust, let me serve you. The Corinthians are already a little bit leery about Paul, and I kind of read through that quickly because it's, not, it's a lot of words to say, hey, we're coming, and I'm not just sending one, I'm sending three because I want your trust. The main two ways that we give is monetarily and physically. Both are roads to service, both require willingness, both require sacrifice. And and both require a desire to show and share the love of Christ, which is is the hardest thing to do. Because I'll tell you this, um, and and I would encourage you all to come with us on on next Saturday. Again, it's early. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. We're going to serve breakfast, make some lunches, fold some clothes, give them out. It's going to be cool. But... It's, it's exhausting. And that showing of the love of Christ can be really hard because if you ask anyone who's been to lots or served with homeless people, sometimes homeless people are um, exhausting. They, they argue with you. They um, push back. They can be very testy. But they need the love of Christ. They need that service. And we can provide it. Band, you can come up. Um, this week, I want you to think about something. Um, I want you to think about where you can serve. Right? It doesn't have to be lots. It, it can be somewhere else. But I want you to think about where you are, what God has blessed you with, 
and how you can use what God has given you to serve those around you. Because, like, like, like Paul said in his letter, those who have collected much have never asked for anything, and those who have collected little have never asked for anything. They were, they were content. They had what they needed. And so because they, were, they had what they needed, God expects you to go out and give. Right? You've been provided for. Now go out and help someone else. Provide for someone else. Right? You see someone in need, do something about it. Because you can. Because, again, we are blessed. And through that blessing... We can bless others. Cool beans? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Um, thank you for the gift of service. God, there are two roads, um, and Lord, that we can walk down both. Lord, I ask that you would uh, move in, in the people here and even the people who aren't here to find a place to serve, whether that be lots, whether that be something else, but somewhere where they can actively get involved and serve the people that you love. Lord, would you, uh, would you move in the hearts and minds of the people here tonight?